0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, if it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
1: Hey, Ajay. No. What's going on? No. No. Hope you feel proud of yourself. Yeah, I, I, you know...
2: Click, click here. No, don't. Turn over this rock. Move that thing. Not the other thing. And there it is. Bullcrap. Bullcrap. Big day today. Uh, certainly big reactions after Utah State's victory
1: over San Diego State last night. Eric, I told you, I told you, and I told you that we'd play great defense, that Justin Beam would have no concerns. <laughs>
2: Shame on you.
1: Can you believe that story La- I told you this morning? Last night. You should have seen my face. Last, oh, I could only imagine you <laughs> feeling pretty tiny. I was, I was, oh. Oh, now we got short jokes. No. Oh, that's cool yeah. of you. I would have felt small. Grow up. Morgan Grimes.
2: <laughs> oh man. Uh I made a point last night to really emphasize <laughs> the good defense done by Justin Bean. <laughs> It's
1: funny because so did somebody else. <laughs> I don't know how that gets to him that quickly. That's what's that's what made me feel bad the worst. Um, well, I guess this is what we call a bitter sweet moment. What's bitter? I was wrong. Ah, I was wrong, and you know what, Aggie Nation, I should hear it from you. I thought Justin Bean... And I owe an apology to Justin Bean. The Bean Man. Um, I was wrong about him. I thought he would struggle. I thought he would get eaten alive by Matt Mitchell. I thought Mitchell was just going to torch him for 25 and Aztecs win by 8. And, uh, man, I was wrong. I was wrong. I owe Justin Bean an apology. So if his parents or being or listening today i am sorry i was wrong I hate you so badly right now <laughs> why, why do you hate me <laughs> eric i did not force you to eric say eric conned me into saying it or, or say anything <laughs> like this or make baseless claims baseless claims <laughs> shut up oh man uh yeah uh, impressive i'll let you uh give the lead on this and then we can talk about the game eric Okay, I'll do it. The the lead on what? Uh, Final score in game one of the uh, Aztecs-Aggies series, 57-45. Well, let me just, before we get into that. Yeah, go ahead. So, other big thing today. I just wanted to get,
2: so we have two really big things today. Okay. The first big thing is that win last night for Utah State basketball. Yes. And you can weigh in on that. Love to get your comments and your reactions to last night's game. 435-339-0321. 435
1: I, 321 I'm serious. The
2: other really big thing that happened earlier this afternoon, the Utah State, or the Utah Board of Higher Education oh. and the USU Board of Trustees, their joint external <clears throat> investigation into uh, the comments allegedly made by President Cockett, they released their findings today. Craig Hislop has gone through the report And the statements, by all involved, all parties involved, he's put it together on Cash Valley Daily. It just got published. So, go check that out. We definitely will talk about it. I have the report in my hand. There's a few really key
1: things that I think we need to discuss that came out of it.
2: So, those are the two
1: really big things. Well, can we add a third to that really quickly? Uh, The coaching staff is, I think, complete. Ooh, yes, football. Today. Uh, I think of all... Talking about Background Check Friday, it just all comes in at once, I guess. Everyone wants to get their job done before the weekend. Background Check's call came through, um, and they've added immensely to their staff. And I'd love to get your thoughts on a couple of guys uh, later in the show, Eric. Yes, yes, very good point. We do want to hit
2: on uh, Utah State football. Did you see their tweet?
1: Uh, Uh, that They sent out
2: their social media post just right before we came on the air. I didn't. Utah State football reserve your seats for the show
1: in all caps oh.
2: we are now accepting 2021 season ticket deposits
1: <laughs> yeah there's a twitter account that needs to either a just delete itself or b just stop tweeting for at least the next 3 to 6 <laughs> it was, months it was not a good night for them last no time. and and you know what it it's really um it's really starting to get kind of out of hand, I think, just based on some of the things that they say, and then turn around and try to push something back in in the, their opponent fans' face. face. I don't know, it's just stupid. It's just childish what the show does, and uh, I hope they learn to grow up and uh, mature a little bit, um, because the university will not take any sort of responsibility for that account, which tells you enough about the university itself, I guess. So, anyways, yeah. Uh, man, reserve your seats for the, uh, the show, the, uh, football season coming up. I'm, 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 by the way, I know we'll get into basketball too. And we got 20 billion to talk to or about, but this football team, Eric, I think it's going to be really, really good. I'm almost putting in the thought that they're going to be Boise state. This team's going to be good. Well, I think there's still some big questions that remain
2: about what this roster will look like. I don't know what today's announcement will do for those who are sitting on the fence. Um, I don't know if there's certain players that will be upset with today's findings and decide to put their name in the transfer portal or given the chance to come back for an, an extra year will will turn down that opportunity. So I, I I like how this coaching staff has come together. I like some of the transfers that are coming to Utah State. They are getting some wins here, but... I think there's still some outstanding concerns about what the roster will look like this next season. Because I don't know how players are going to react to today's news. Um, but we'll get into that. So want to definitely get your thoughts on it. Go read this, the story on Cash Valley Daily. You can see the report. You can even read the full report yourself if you want. There are links to see it. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more next hour. But... Um, but for, for basketball last night, Ajay, that was a fun basketball game. I, I, I actually really liked that we didn't have a lot of whistles. It, it was a game flow, it was back and forth, it was physical, let the players play. That first half just went by so fast because there were no stops in play. And I mean, that being said, yes, there probably were a number of, of situations where a foul should have been called. But they were pretty even on both sides. It wasn't one-sided.
1: No, and I think when you go back, like, look, were there calls that probably should have been a foul? Yes. But here's the thing. They were pretty consistent on both sides. I mean, they let you play. At the eight-minute mark in the first half, when you have that loose ball that was tipped away by Justin Bean, he fights for it with Mitchell. Mitchell thought he had it. And, uh, and then it was uh, stripped away by, I think, Raleigh Wooster. He had bodies on the floor. Matt scrambled for the ball. Wooster picks it up and then finds uh, Baristow on the other end on a nice pass to, to lay it in. Uh, I mean, yeah, just like let him at it. And that's what you should do. This is a rematch of the last two years of Mountain West Conference turn, uh, Tournament Championship games. Just let them figure it out for themselves. Let him them duke it out. Are the coaches going to be happy? No. But in the end, that's what you want. You want an all-out brawl, metaphorically, between <laughs> two teams you. who do not like each other, and they don't, and uh, and just who are competing for a Mountain West Conference number one seed, you know, along with Boise State. But uh, loved it, absolutely loved the love the effort from both teams because I I feel like I saw it from both ends. I I thought Jordan Shackle was really 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 good. I he I mean he hit a turnaround blindfolded, cold blooded three. Uh, I think it was in Brock's face, and then Brock returned the favor on like two possessions later. Just great basketball, Eric. Uh...
2: I'm not going to go too far on Shackle. I thought that because Brock Miller, I thought, did a really nice job defensively on him. That was like the one good look he had.
1: Yeah, that's true. And it wasn't even that great of a look. Like I said, it no, was a blindfolded turn He knew around, he was going to shoot and it shoot. Yeah, look. before he even got yeah, the exactly. ball. Exactly,
2: yep. But uh, I really liked the, the defensive effort by, by Brock Miller. 435 339 if you want to weigh in. Uh, 9315 texts in, A.J. being wrong doesn't matter. It just matters that we win tomorrow, even if only by two. The ringmaster can do better and is better.
1: I, you. So, okay. That's You just can't say anything with a straight face right now, huh? (laughs) Shouldn't have told you that story this morning. No, uh, but
2: uh, Coach Smith, after the game, had high praise of Brock Miller. Said he saw something in his eye leading up to it. He practiced the way he was approaching the game. Ajay, we have seen this time and again, and it played out last night. When Brock Miller hits a shot early, he's going to have a great night, and it's a good sign for the Aggies. And it happened. It played out. Uh, Alfonso Anderson hit a few key shots as well, especially yeah, late in the first threes, half. Oh, my gosh. So when you have those Had two have guys
1: them. hitting, it's almost like it's a guarantee Utah State's going to win. You, uh, I'm going to scratch your ego a little bit. Um Last week, do you remember – oh, my uh, – uh, Brock's so-called dad keeps texting in every, every, every post game about Brock when we talk about, you know, he's listening to our show and he, he's just a big – he's the biggest Brock fan and he's not even his dad. But he's just the biggest diehard Brock fan and he's like, let's hear some about Brock. Well, you just did. His defense was incredible. But last week, Eric, I think – or I guess – no, two days ago, excuse me – you said that one guy was going to be a huge key in the defensive side of the court. Do you remember who that is?
2: Uh one guy was had to be a one huge guy was going to be a
1: huge key and and I didn't really think about it. And then he showed up last night and played incredible defense. Uh, did I say Brock? Well, no. Oh. None of us said Brock though. <laughs> Ashworth? Do you remember saying Marco? Oh Marco, I don't remember what you really. Yeah, Uh, two days ago you talked about. I'm glad you remember the great things that I said. Yes, that sounds great. Shut it. (laughs) Um, you yeah, you talk like I didn't think about it. I didn't think that Marco would have a defensive presence, like like you said he would, but on three straight possessions, he does something that's very like he was aware, and I think it was something that Coach Smith, you know, didn't. I mean. I don't know, you know if he coached it or not. But twice, Shackle or, Shackle or Mitchell came by on a screen. And Marco would, wouldn't incredibly leave his man. But all of a sudden would go and cover. And show himself defensively. So then that guy who's looking to give it to Shackle at the top of the key. Or to Mitchell. Has to reset himself and go somewhere else with the ball. Three times. And by the way, all three would have been open looks if Marco doesn't show up.
2: Yeah, I thought that their rotations, the way they they were trailing their defenders, uh, uh, well, as defenders, they just, sometimes San Diego State was trying to do some actions to get guys loose, but Utah State recovered so quickly. And they were in the lanes, the passing lanes, and really made it tough. Uh, I was tracking it early in the game, and then I kind of got distracted and realized that I wasn't tracking it, and so I may have missed a few. But last night I was tracking how many how many times did San Diego State want to go in into the rim and back out or have their shot yeah, affected they, yeah, they, by Nimi in the post. And there were effect. at least seven that yep. I was able to track. There could have been a few more, but I know there were at least seven times when they ran an action, they were going to go to the post, saw Nimi there, and backed out, or somebody came to the basket and had to adjust and put up a bad shot, normally it should have, would have been a, a good shot, just because Ketta was there. So he didn't have a lot of blocks, which was one of our pick six items. But he definitely adjusted oh, a lot
0: of shots. Well, he,
1: he No, he changed the offense as a whole. I think there was two straight possessions in the second half where uh, the ball didn't go inside once. And there wasn't one attempt to even try to drive inside. Keta's standing on like the left block, looking, at, if I remember right. And he's just kind of standing there. And Mensa called for the ball twice, and they weren't even looking at Mensah. like, well, forget this idea. I'm not going to sit here and wait for you guys. He steps out, and Keta doesn't move. Keta just stands on the block and is like... I'm here. Like, let me know <laughs> if you want to come inside. And the whole entire time, the ball's just swinging around the perimeter. And then there'd be like a like a light drive inside, step out, reset, give back the shackle. I think the possession on them ended on a shackle miss three and a Mitchell miss jumper. Like they were just like done with. They were done with it. They didn't want to do it anymore. Uh, did we keep San Diego State to her lowest point total? In a game so far this year, yes, that's correct. And their 31 percent shooting for the uh, the night was also their season low. Um, I've also got some more numbers for you that are going to make you kind of just. It was like the lowest point
2: total in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, and, not, and 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 not just a couple of years. I have the numbers here, thanks to uh, Doug Hoffman for the help on this. Oh, wait. Sorry, you, not Eric. You need to give Brock some love, AJ. Let's hear it. Ling score and shut down number twenty, Jordan Shackle. I have been hard on Brock. Why am I supposed to just like this repent is here? Bad take. Come on, part people. Two. Yeah, just stop it. You know what? Stop it. <laughs> you <Y'all>. Um. <laughs> uh. We'll we'll get to Brock in just a sec. I promise. I will. Yes. Maybe. Um. But the. In regards of San Diego State, it was the lowest—oh, yeah, let's see. By the way, the last time USU won a game when they scored lower than 60 points, last in the last year's Mountain West Conference Championship game against San Diego State. Oh, yeah. Go figure, 56. huh? Uh, the 12-point loss for San Diego State is its first double-digit loss since the eighteen-nineteen season when they lost to, uh, at the time, number 17, Nevada, by 28 points, which is a span of 47 games. The Aztecs' 45 points are are its fewest in a game since, Eric, 2015 against Grand Canyon, and fewest in a conference game since 2013, when they uh, scored 44 against the Lobos. Wow. That is incredible. That is... And, look, we're going to say, well, they didn't shoot that well. You know what? Neither team shot that well because it was a knockdown, dragout fight. Yeah. I mean, it really was. Eric, and like you said, I love that kind of basketball. Let refs stay out of it. Let these guys figure it out. If there's something hard enough to call, call it. But let's let's just let them play. Now, we get a new refing crew tomorrow. I kind of wonder how that's going to affect – both teams how they're going to call it now are they going to call it really tight or they going to allow some leniency of of uh of you know bumping and and pushing and shoving uh it'll be interesting tomorrow
2: yeah yeah um will they let them go will they tight call a tight game um and if so which team does it favor i don't know that it favors one team over another frankly the way both of these t- teams play defensively what may matter the most is what does San Diego State do if Mitchell isn't available, and he's not—he's not the only one who may not be available. I guess um, they had uh, Adam Seiko had to get like emergency tooth extraction this morning. Uh, Matt Mitchell had—we saw that looked like a hyperextension of his leg. Yeah, it looked nasty when it happened. It looked
1: really bad when it happened.
2: But then the way that the the trainers were working with him on the floor and then on the on the sidelines he didn't get taken immediately to the locker room. I think those are those are yeah. encouraging signs. I hope he's available um to play just cuz yeah. you want to be able to
1: say you beat them at their full capacity. I talked to the SID and 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 they don't think it's a tear. Um they they, they and this is last night before and Utah State, Carl Smith and that crew was kind enough to allow San Diego State to use their facilities to test them and and help treat them and such, so I I thought that was awesome on Utah State's part, Um, but I've I've heard it's a hyperextension, there is not a tear, and that uh, he uh, has no limp today Um, I I know there was a light shoot around they're going to put him through through some things to see how he feels, I'm with you I would love to see him tomorrow, I really would, I think you want to beat a team at their best when they're at their best Here's what Brian Dutcher said uh,
2: after the game last night about uh, the Mitchell injury. And uh, we'll see if we can get this, this audio to work. Uh, I'm concerned, obviously. You know, when uh, uh, your senior goes down, your leading scorer, uh, and he goes for his knee, you're always concerned. So I, I don't want to react further than that to say that uh, he's being looked at by their medical staff uh, and we will move forward. Uh, with uh, release on what it is and, and what the timeline is as soon as we find out. So I am concerned about Matt. Uh, I hate to see him go down uh, after such a uh, a great start to this season and hopefully uh, we'll get him back but I don't know that.
1: Um, that was last night yeah that was last, and that was before the tests were done they were still treating him on his knee. they were still working through some things so, uh, yeah, he's right at the time he didn't know that was the honest truth. Uh, and again we hope we have uh, Mitchell tomorrow at his you know and he's able to go if the game were to be Saturday night I think he plays he probably would play yeah I think he plays uh,
2: but where it's eleven thirty in the morning and we are
1: eight hours away from right not eight hours but I don't know how many hours away but well less than 24 yeah and he's and you're asking him to get up and in the morning and and then get ready for a game that's, that's going to be tough. To, and for how as physical of a series or as a game we had the night before, it's gonna be asking a lot of him to go out there and so be productive And uh, gosh, I got to go back and find that
2: I thought that there was uh, Seiko was also out.
1: Yeah, if you uh, Mark Ziegler was reporting from the San Diego Union Tribune that uh, Seiko had a uh, what was it called? Tooth extraction or something? Uh, This is Mark Ziegler.
2: Matt Mitchell had an MRI this morning awaiting the results. He's at practice in shorts and a jersey, walking around without a limp and passively rebounding balls in drills. Adam Seiko is not practicing after having
1: an emergency tooth extraction this morning. That sounds fun. Yeah. I mean, if if things can go wrong anymore, it must be that beet juice. Um... He played twenty seven so, minutes with one of four from the field, and had three points. Seiko? yeah, yeah. But I thought he played pretty aggressive. Well, they all played aggressive. They're killing each other. It was like <laughs> well, World War Three. Yes, uh, he was starter. Yeah, now yeah now that's the other thing. He's got to make adjustments from your bench now. Does potentially oh, two <clears throat> starters down? Here's and so here's my question with that. They just lost game 1. They may not have Mitchell, won't have Seiko. Do you consider this team still dangerous tomorrow? Yes. And here's why. If you
2: if a key guy goes out like that, somebody else has to step into a role and uh, maybe have a, a more a different rotation on your bench. And so they're going to be athletes who you don't have a lot of film on or you haven't scouted as much. Because you know Utah State has spent a lot of time trying to understand Matt Mitchell and what he does, how to counter it. And he's not there, and now somebody else is playing that role that you don't know as well. You haven't scouted as much. You don't have as much tape on. That could, that could surprise you, and that could be difficult. So I'd be, I'd be a little worried. I'm not. <laughs> I, I Just because I'd be worried that, that uh, and the players should be worried, just in that there's going to be some unknowns now. So we have to play at a high level. We can't just go a little bit easier because that main guy is out. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. Is that they should continue to elevate their game against a really good squad. They still have good players. They still have good coaches. And there's going to be some unknown on Saturday. That normally in these two games and three games, there's not a lot of unknown in your second game. Minor adjustments, and but you know each other pretty well at this point. You've been spending the f- full week scouting each other, but in trying to insert somebody new into a lineup, that can catch you off guard. So that that would be my worry, is that they uh, they don't overlook that and how that could be problematic for the Aggies and how San Diego State could use that to their advantage.
1: Yeah, uh, I think there will be just – I think the one concern I – I mean, just you beat San Diego State in game one. So, uh, I'm not saying the job is done, but you got like a, at least a good case scenario out of this series. You split. Best case scenario is that you sweep them, right? That's a bonus. That's, that's the best case scenario. Good case scenario is that you split. The San Diego State team is going to come out throwing haymakers – they will come out ready. They will be able to come out with a little bit of energy, a little vinegar, uh you know, some, you know, vengefulness and I guess revenge in them. Can you take their best punch, handle it, respond, and put this thing to bed early? If you can, I think you're gonna be all right. If you let them hang around for the I mean, if you let them hang around for the first twenty minutes of basketball, we're gonna have a problem on our hands for the next twenty. Put them away early. Get it over with. If you don't and you they have confidence going into the locker room, watch out. Here's the other thing, Ajay. It was a nice win for Utah State.
2: Great defensive effort. Did a lot of really, really good things defensively. Yeah? Offensively, not the Aggies' best game by any means. No. There was a lot of sloppiness. There were a few times where uh, the, the offensive action was a, lytical, a, a little laxadaisical. Couple times, got the ball gets thrown down into the post to uh, to Nimi. He took a little too long deciding what he wanted to do, which allowed San Diego State to counter and to double or to make things messy. So, um, just the Utah State has to get better. They have to play better. I mean, they played a great game last night, but if they want to beat this team twice, they have to be better than they were last night.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. No, I'd agree with that, and I. I think San Diego State's probably telling themselves the same thing. Like, if we want a chance to even compete with these guys, we got to be better on the offensive side. Neither team played pretty basketball yesterday. There were a lot of dumb turnovers. There were a lot of bad, well, not a lot of bad fouls. Uh, <laughs> but uh, maybe some missed assignments defensively left some guys open. Both teams are, are understand that. Now we're going to find out how good the coaching is. Who, Which coach can make the better adjustments? We're going to find out how good Dutcher is because now he doesn't have – if he doesn't have Mitchell tomorrow, he's without Seiko. He, well,
2: we don't know for sure if he's going to be without Seiko. He had a, a, a tooth pulled this he's morning. He's not playing tomorrow, is he? He just he didn't practice today. They haven't ruled him out for tomorrow.
1: Oh. But he may just not be
2: available. And if he is, is he going to be 100%?
1: Yeah, and well, that's the same with Mitchell. We don't know if he's going to be available. But is he – like how hard would it be to be 100% with a hyperextended knee if that's what we're dealing with? I mean, that's just – that, that can't feel too good. So, uh, yeah, interested to see how this goes.
2: 9463, uh, great text. I think biggest testament to Coach Smith and USU last night was the scouting and film study coming into the game. Those two steals Keta had early in the first half were directly a result of watching film. Mensa got the ball and had it low by his knees. Keta didn't even try to straight up and poked it away because he knew that's what Mensa would be doing when he got the ball. I was impressed.
1: Yeah, I thought Kettle was wonderful. What do you have? 14 points, 15 boards? Was it 14 points, 13 boards? When he finished with what was that?
2: Uh, 14 points, 16 boards. One block, three steals. <laughs> he had two just kind of bang, bang early in the game. <laughs> it's really set the tone, I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he, uh, I-, I thought he got the better of Mensah last night in-, in a lot of different areas. Yeah, I, I like that text by 9463. I thought-, I thought Kettle was wonderful last night. Now... Eric, Brock. He did all right. Um, he hit a couple shots. Defensively, he was around. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was a little better than what you're describing. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, fine. You're, you're barely describing fine. a walking corpse. Oh, he did. Geez.
2: He did a lot more Calm than down. that. Calm
1: down. Brock Miller fan club starring the guy who texted me and Eric Franson. Uh Brock Miller, five of eleven. Here's the thing though. Like <laughs> guy's getting mad at me. Um He took some like he has some really interesting shot selection at times. Some of it's good, some of it's not great. Well, you know what it is? He makes a shot. He's feeling it. So, he hits one he shot, he wants he's to go hit it? another
2: one and he misses it. Hold
1: on, he's hitting one shot and we're like, "Oh, he's on fire, NBA jam style. <laughs> Just let it rise." I mean, come
2: on. Well, what he was doing last night is he'd make a shot and then you could sense that, "All right, I'm going to see if I've got it going. I got the mojo." And They'll put up <laughs> another shot and, shot and it misses. And it misses. And then it comes around, it's, you know, good offense finds him loose in the corner. He hits it. Oh, there you go. And then he's like, give me the ball. I want to try it again. And then he would miss it.
1: I want to try again. Oh, great. I'm glad we're playing a game of 42 or whatever. Um, no, and But I'll tell you one thing he's gotten really good at is making shots when contested. There was one where he came off a curl and he was maybe two feet above the arc and shackles right in his grill. I mean, hand cover, closeout was great, and Brock still knocked it down. If there's one thing Brock's been a lot, lot better at, it's making shots while being heavily contested. Right, he's got a really quick release. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, and uh, uh, just his his ability to have that
1: outside threat makes a huge difference. Um, You tweeted this out yesterday. I want to make sure I got the guy right. But Raleigh Wooster's passing. Oh. Man. Oh, my gosh. The one where he dribbled around the left wing, crawled the baseline, and found, I think it was Bean for a layup. It was no look. He wasn't even looking at Bean. I don't even know how he saw him coming, because Mensa was standing like right, right there, and he still like slid a nice bounce pass. And then he had another one where uh, I think it was like a bounce pass, one handed. Like, dude, some of the passes he's making is just incredible. Yeah,
2: one of those. He was he came down into the post. He squirts the ball through, and at the where the ball is headed, no one is there. Yeah. But based on the trajectory of Brock Miller. He arrived at the right spot at the right time. That ball goes through a couple of the defenders. Brock gets it in stride. Bang. Right on the outside. uh, Right in front of the Aggie bench. Uh, He had some great passes. And that one you were talking about with Bean, kind of a fast break-ish. Ball's kind of loose. Worcester's bringing it down kind of on the right side. All five San Diego State players are on the Aggie side of the court. And all eyes are on Raleigh. Yep. And Raleigh's heads up. He sees Bean streaking down the other side. No one's over there. Squirts it right through to him, and Dustin goes right to the hoop uncontested.
1: It's incredible. His vision, vision is so good. It's so good. And and another guy I want to give credit to is Ashworth. He got beat up. I'm sitting there, dude, and I'm watching Ashworth on the defensive side on the defensive side of the ball, and he's guarding. I can't remember who he had, but he's chasing him all around the court. I mean, and then you get to scream from Mitchell, bam. Gets a scream from Ensop, bam. Takes a double to the shoulder. Comes through, gets a bump from somebody else, hangs with it. Just gritty, gritty play by Steven Ashworth was, I think, phenomenal.
2: One of those guys that you love having on your team when he has a game like that, but you just, you just hate when he's on the opponent's team. Because he was, he was scrappy. Everywhere. Oh, yeah. Getting in everybody everybody's space he got put on the deck a couple different times but he kept getting back up um and it was just loved the effort
1: yeah it yeah, was a I, lot of effort and you know what him. Ashworth is a guy who's gonna he's he's not gonna be back down from you he's not gonna be like you know maybe I should cool it no Ashworth got right back up there in Mitchell's grill draws <laughs> draws a foul on Mitchell <laughs> and just kind of look at the ref and said thank you <laughs> and So I I love I love 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 watching Stephen Ashworth play basketball and yes again I'm gonna I will give credit to Brock Miller hit some hit some tough looks and like you said defensively like it's a pain Eric when you're dribbling the ball and then you're like man Marco's a good defender I'm gonna try and switch sides you get a screen and you think you're gonna be free and then Brock Miller's standing right in your grill you're like okay I'm gonna get through Brock you get through Brock but then there's Bean standing at the free throw line. Okay, well, you know, maybe a bounce pass here. And there's Ketta standing underneath. And there's just no room for air, and there's no room to breathe from this Aggie defense. Brock Miller's been the lead of that defense on the perimeter side of the ball. I will say that. I've been so doggone impressed with him. And again, Justin Bean, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> 8577
2: texts in. So, how do we get killed and embarrassed by South Dakota State? And now it looks like we can beat anyone.
1: South Dakota State was early. We were still trying to figure our bearings out. Wouldn't you agree? I would. We were still trying to figure out who can play, who can't, what's going to fit, what's not. Like, let's, let's figure this system out, and then we're going to get at it. In fact, I remember saying after the VCU loss, I told someone, I said, we're going to be fine. I mean, we're going to be fine. We're going to get this thing figured out really quickly, and we're going to be all right. Uh, and now you're on a nine-game winning streak, yeah, uh, you're 8 or 7 and 0, right? No, 8 and 0, 9 and 0. In conference play, 8 7 and 0 in conference play right, right now. Yep. Uh and you are 7th in the nation in defensive efficiency rating. 7th in the nation in defi- in defensive efficiency rating. And your last four teams that you played, four games that you played, <laughs> you've held them to 45 and less points. First time since 1949 and 50. Hello. Uh, we're going to take a time out here on the Full Court Press. Love to continue to get your reactions to last
2: night's Utah State men's basketball victory over San Diego State. 435-339-0321. We will discuss the news coming today out of the Utah Board of Higher Education, their joint investigation with the USU Board of Trustees, into comments allegedly made by Utah State President Noel Cockett Uh, There are some interesting things from the report that I wanted to highlight and uh, uh, get to. You can read about it on cashvalleydaily.com. We will get to that. And uh, Blake Anderson filling out his uh, coaching staff. Uh, More announcements there. They're now official. Some have been rumored, but now it's official. So we'll get into that as well. Coming up right here on the Full Court Press.
0: Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
2: Eric France and Andre Salveson, big win last night for the Utah State Aggies over San Diego State. 57 to 45. That's uh four straight opponents 50 points or less. The Aggie defense has just really come alive suffocating. Uh we would wondered, we'd all wondered. That defense and offense looks great in the start of conference play. It's great to see games decided by 30 points or more. That's fun. But how would it translate against a quality opponent? And, Ajay, when you're doing it with a defensive first mentality, it translates. We saw that last night. Um, up and down. I-, I can't think of anybody who I was disappointed in with their
1: lack of defensive effort. Everybody brought it. Everybody was good. No, everybody was good. Everybody was great. What did you think of Dorius? Yeah, I liked uh, the
2: the uh, his presence defensively. He kind of got in some compromising positions and got some fouls. He's learning quickly. I mean, Mentz a different animal, man. Yes. But I thought that he played some quality minutes. Uh, would it have been better if he could have not fouled and, and give Ketta more time on the bench? Sure. But I, I didn't feel like he was a real liability out there for Utah State. I was kind no, of surprised that no. Coach Smith did a full like line change in the first half. Yeah, how about that? That was interesting. But I, <laughs> they, it, it, when they those subs came in, they pushed the lead. They extended the lead.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the that's the great thing. And, and the bench outscored San Diego State's bench, uh, sixteen to six. I mean, they held their bench to six points. That's not easy to do. That's a decent bench. Um, I- impressed with uh, how they handled that. Uh, and and I also liked, um. You know Berstow wasn't bad, wasn't great. You could tell there was a couple times where Coach Smith was not thrilled with a couple decisions he made on the offensive side of the ball, but he wasn't bad. I thought I thought Berstow uh, was able to hang in there as well. Uh, he
2: came in, he made a couple of, of buckets. You know, he, uh, I think he has that the some defensive presence that was good. That, yep. The bench overall. I mean, what was it? The bench, Aggie bench outscored their bench like sixteen to two or some. Crazy I said
1: sixteen to six. Remember sixteen to six. I just said that. Yes. Yeah.
2: You remember that one time when you said that their uh, Aggie bench outscored their bench? I'm just glad you didn't
1: say something else. <laughs> you're gonna say. You remember know that one time when you talked about Bean's defense versus Mitchell? <laughs> <laughs> um, boy, that did you get worried, Eric? Start of the second half. Asics go on a little bit of a run. Uh, Utah State can't make a thing to save their lives. Missed a couple of bunnies as well inside. Uh, missed a couple of open looks. It just... Were you worried at all? Or were you just, I mean, is it like, just get things back into shape and we're going to be all right?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I was impressed with how Coach Smith handled that and just how the team reacted. Um, they are up by, what was it, 13 at half? Yeah. And they went down to eight or five, I think, pretty quickly, Eric. Well, they went on a 10-2 to two run. Yeah, they get it to within just a few possessions. And uh, at first I'm thinking... This is getting a little tight here. Yeah, it got a thirty it's a little close.
1: In in the span of three minutes and five seconds, it went from being a thirteen point game to being a five point game after a Matt Mitchell jumper.
2: Yeah, and, and I was starting to think this is this is a time where Coach Smith should be calling a timeout, yeah, maybe.
1: I kept looking over for one. Okay, so I wasn't the only one that you
2: guys settle down, draw up a play and get a bucket. <laughs> but I, I I like how he let his guys get through it and play through it. I thought it was a great learning moment for the team. And he let them figure it out
1: and get through it. How did we actually get... They never got any closer than five. I was going to say, they got to five. It was 35-30. And then Brock Miller hit a three to extend it back to eight. Jordan Shackle hit a three to bring it back to five. And Steven Ashworth hit the three. I mean, there's a bunch of fouls and missed shots in between, by the way. Uh, And then a bucket. Yeah, so the bucket by Ashworth. And then we didn't... I mean, we didn't see another bucket until for like a minute and 30 seconds. That was a jumper by Matt to cut it to six and then the layup by Keta to take it to eight. I mean, we're just kind of bouncing in between back and forth there for a little bit between the uh, five and eight point range, but finally we able to kind of put some, uh, put some space in between us, but yeah, give credit to San Diego State for hanging in there making a run at it, but like you said, give credit to Utah State and Coach Smith. For letting his kids figure it out, and then be for his kids actually figuring it out.
2: Um, after the game, Coach Smith talked a little bit about this. Um, not a not a lot of fouls called, and so it was it was a very physical style of game. Um, and Utah State they're they're built to handle that. Here's uh, here's some of his comments after the game about kind of the the uh, lack of whistles in the game last night.
3: You know, it uh, doesn't matter who the officials are. It's uh, it's we 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 have a little bit of it's big boy basketball. You know what I mean? And so um, you just kind of figure it out. You know, we only shot two free throws tonight, and we're a team that gets to the line a lot. And that's not a every game has its own entity. You know, when you have good defensive players, how many times did we get to the rim? And answer is just there. You know, erasing it. And we did the same. Kata does the same thing. You know, and, and Darius does as well on our end. So, um, you know, in our only two free throws, we're off of technical, the, the technical. So um, it's difficult, but it is what it is. I think, you know, there's a, you start learning. This is our fourth time going through it now. So our guy, it answers you. Yeah,
2: stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, he starts to go on and talk about two games and three nights. But uh, interesting to hear what he had to say about uh, the referees. And uh, I I did not mind that the refs weren't calling a lot of whistles. No. Now, maybe if Utah State didn't win by double digits, I would have had a different attitude. Uh, if Utah State ends up losing, maybe I'd be more incensed that there weren't more calls. But uh,
1: uh, it gave the, the players the opportunity to play through things.
2: Allow them to and, be aggressive.
1: And here's the thing is, uh, I, I got a really good text from my guy Tyler. He says, digging back to Sam's shot, Coach Smith has a way of knowing not to call a timeout in big moments. Like, yeah, and, and that's true. I think good point. Like it is because we like Phil Jackson used to do this too. Like when his team was going through a drought, and the and you know they're in a hostile arena on the road, and Portland or Sacramento or whoever goes on a like a twelve zero run." Coach, went, Coach Jackson didn't call a timeout, and, and he was asked about that once, and he said, because I wanted my guys to grow up right there. I wanted my guys to find a way to get through hard times without having to get a timeout to bail it out. Find a way. And it was part of his method, whatever that was, the Zen method thing. But uh, Coach Smith has, has done the same thing. Like You think about it, in a Mount West Conference championship game, you have the ball in the possession, and instead of setting up a play, you then say, "You know what? We're just gonna roll with it." Sam plays on you. We're gonna go four flat, get to the corner, and then when the shot's taken, go rebound it. And uh, it's well, just calling it. It's a way to figure it out. I love it.
2: It is. You know, calling a timeout helps to ensure everybody's on the same page with what you're drawing yeah. up offensively, but it also gives the defense time to set up. But, you're playing against a really good defensive team, exactly. calling a timeout may not always it be the, the best choice. Well,
1: and I mean, it's a pretty easy play to set up. Uh, give the ball to Sam and get the heck out of the way, right? But in that situation, when things, like, when you are up by 13, it gets cut down to 5, you're playing an experienced team with a great coach on the other side as well. I mean, usually you're like, hey, let's get a timeout, let's reset ourselves. Hey, we're still up by 5, calm down, take a breath, run our offense, and we're fine. Instead, said, Coach Smith said, hey, look, figure it out. Like, Let's run our offense, but figure it out. This isn't rocket science. I, I believe in you guys. Yeah, I, I Mean, and and look, it's we give we got to we got to give a ton of credit to these guys, especially the leadership of this team. Brock Miller was huge. It just brings a calming presence. Keta was Keta. Bean is just so cool, calm, collective. I mean, it's it's ridiculous how how lucky we are with the leadership we have. Um, this is. This has been incredible. Hey, I'll ask you in the second hour uh, uh, just a question about where we stand right now as a team and and what they've been able to do. But again, Eric, just great, great, gritty, gritty win. Tomorrow's going to be, I would expect, nothing different.
2: Speaking of that, 9315 texts in. So if San Diego State says altitude is harder on Game 2, does that help us tomorrow because that is mental and will be in their heads?
1: I think that's being way... I don't know. Um,
2: seeing how they lost the first game.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. But no, I look, I think it all comes down to execution. It all comes down to, hey, can you make this shot? Can you get a stop? Can you like make an adjustment to the adjustment and, uh, and just execute better? I think it's all it comes down to altitude, beat juice. Um, Twitter accounts, all that goes out the window when you're just on the court for 40 minutes, just trying to duke it out and win a ball game.
2: What may matter more is who is available for San Diego State, yeah. but uh, that that also could be you kind have to of a be seen thing. Um, but that you know, because of that, those fringe guys think I, I have to do more because he's not available. Yeah. And uh, that may be a matchup problem for Utah State. All right, more thoughts on that. love to get your thoughts as well. 435-339-0321. A little bit later on, we will discuss the Utah Board of Higher Education and USU Board of Trustees, their joint investigation into Noel Cockett's alleged comments. It was revealed today. Uh, You can read about it on CashValleyDaily.com, but we'll discuss it in more detail coming up next hour and get into more about what tomorrow's game could look like for Utah State and San Diego State on a late morning on CBS big time network uh, opportunity for Utah state and some football coaching assignments uh, announced today as well. So still a lot to get to here on the full court press
0: press connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at one Oh six, nine, the
2: We
3: need to be more connected on offense. Um, like I said, I mean, 15 assists a pretty good number against a team like this in a low possession game, but too many, way too many turnovers, but, you know, I felt like we were a good defensive team. And, you know, I know some of our scores have been a little bit lopsided, but I guess the thing, I i don't know if I, I learned it, but I was able to see it against a really good team. Just the grittiness that we have, you know, our, our ability to play connected.
2: That's Coach Craig Smith after the game. He just can't get enough of him. good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but. Interesting comments about we need to play more connected on offense, cut down on turnovers. Hey, but Eric,
1: how much? I mean, how much blame do you give to the Aggie offense, and how much credit do you give to the Aggie defense? I mean, sorry, Aztec defense. Yeah, I think you
2: have to give them some credit. Certainly, they they're they have much better defensive pressure sure. than Utah State has seen in quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Aztecs try to do more full court pressure and pick up the Aggies earlier. Um, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, but yeah, there were some times though that the way they were getting into their actions just it was a little bit slow, a little bit late, and then all of a sudden it's kind of late in the shot clock, and they had to kind of hurry something. There were a few too many times where we saw that, maybe that was more later in the game with trying to milk clock, but they, uh, yeah, there, there's room for improvement. I just you know, yeah. generally speaking, there is definitely room for improvement for Utah State. To try to get uh, their second win against San Diego State tomorrow.
1: Yeah, uh, and by the way, through the second hour, I'd love to get your thoughts if you can text in four three five three three nine zero three two one. I closed my text line, so I don't know if we got any more. But yes, oh, we did. Okay, just go got ahead.
2: one from five seven six three. Great win for the Aggies. We've had enough domination of the bottom feeders in the Mountain West. Now <laughs> it's time to show the conference in the country what we can do! Exclamation point. Really sad to see Matt Mitchell get hurt, though. Hope he gets back quickly, but his knee sure did bend awkwardly.
1: Yeah, again, we're hearing a hyperextension is what we were hearing. That's not confirmed. Uh, He did go through some kind of a little bit of a workout today. Was no limp, but just you know, very 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 light stuff. Yep, absolutely, very light stuff as it should be. So we'll see. Uh, We won't know till tomorrow what if he uh, or won't play. So, boy, hey uh, Eric, heavy heavy second hour coming up. Boy, we got a lot to get into, don't we? Very A big weekend in the NFL, big game
2: Saturday for Utah State, Utah State football is added to their staff, yeah. uh, and really big news, uh, this investigation has now been going on for a month.
1: Let me give, give me or give our wonderful listeners a little bit of a teaser, just, I mean, if you can tease your thoughts of the results that have came out.
2: Uh, I think basically what it comes down to is just a, a gross misunderstanding,
1: not intentional,
2: but just a, a big misunderstanding. And, uh, and that's a real 10-second view of what this whole report and investigation is about. I can see maybe where it was coming from, through which context. Uh, there are some things that were said that still make me kind of raise an eyebrow or two, but I don't think it's something that we should all be gathering up our pitchforks and our torches and storm Old Main and
1: uh, call for Noel Cockett's resignation. Hmm. Wow, that, that's a, that's a good point. You said Craig Hislop, or, and you guys have put something together on Cash Valley Daily. We can yep. all read reports there. You
2: can go check it out right now. It's on Cash Valley Daily. Provides links to the statements, uh, links to the full report. You can read it yourself. It's about sixteen pages, um, but th- it's a really interesting report.
1: And you know what else we got to talk about? Region Eleven basketball gets into region play tonight. Ah, yes, it does. I forgot. It's
2: true. It starts tonight. Uh, We'll let you know who's playing where and how you can follow along. We have broadcast partners that are going to be following all of these games. Uh, So great ways you can listen on the radio, uh, on a mobile app, on a website. Uh, A lot of different ways to to follow along for these high school basketball games taking place tonight throughout the the area. Uh, A lot of RPI rankings on the line on some of these to try to stay in the top 10. So we'll preview all of that coming up. And always want to get your feedback, too. 435-339-0321 or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. A lot more in the second hour. Stick around.
0: The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody?
2: Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. A lot to still get through here, and uh, love to get your reactions to it as well. 435-339-0321. Or you can message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Big win last night for the Aggies in basketball. They've got to turn around and face the same team tomorrow. What kind of adjustments, differences uh, will we see The game starts at 11.30 a.m. on CBS. So that means Al Lewis and Jalen Moore will have their pregame coverage starting at 10.30 on KVNU with their KVNU game day and then immediately following the game on national television, national network television. Be on the air again where you can participate. You'll hear from the coach and the players on a KVNU Aggie call. It was fun to be able to hang out with Al last night and to to participate in that. So we'll see how tomorrow goes. Um, uh, Also big news today, Utah State, excuse me, the Utah Board of Higher Education um, released their findings today after a month-long investigation into comments allegedly made by USU President Noel Cockett um, about uh, what players called in their statement to stadium that illustrated cultural and religious bias toward Frank Miley that uh, may have disqualified him to be the full-time head coach at Utah State you can read about it the findings and the statements on cashvalleydaily.com but aj there's a lot to get through here i mean it's 16 pages worth of of the kind of results of these findings and their investigation. It breaks it down into three parts. Uh, an interview, they did in, multiple interviews with John Hartwell, Noel Cockett, and football players. And they, they interviewed dozens of players who were involved in the call. So that's a pretty good sample size to get an idea of what happened on this one call. Um uh, The quick summary from my interpretation of reading the the investigation and and their findings, my interpretation is there was just a big misunderstanding here. And the players took it the wrong way. What it comes down to is Frank Miley in late November asked for a meeting with Noelle Cockett. He wanted to meet with her specifically, to outline why he should be considered the next head coach or the full-time head coach. In the, in the process of that meeting, he outlined three main keys, which have sometimes been referred to as pillars of his recruiting plan to build the team on three main three key areas, Utah kids, Polynesians, and missionaries. Um, Noel Cockett, in a couple different occasions here in the investigation, uh, had concerns about that plan, that it may not be inclusive enough, that if anybody currently at Utah State or potentially in the future at Utah State, would, if they don't fall into one of those three areas, if they would not feel included. And the players proceeded to defend Frank Miley, saying that he is a great role model, father figure, that makes everybody feel comfortable and valued. But by her asking those questions, the I think it's important also to note that the it comes out to a couple different times basically saying that she did not say what they alleged that she said. Um, however, John Hartwell didn't write some notes and took pictures of those notes and included it in the report. One of them says, talks about LDS church, not inclusive, religious diversity, and an interesting place to live. Now, um, Hartwell saying he did not specifically recall President Cockett making this comment that that talks about the LDS church not being inclusive, but later said that he didn't remember any student-athletes saying it. And if he wrote it down, someone had to have said it. But he noted, according to the report, he noted that if President Cockett made such comments, it would have been in the context of whether students from outside Utah integrate comfortably into the local community. Uh, regarding religious diversity, same thing. He doesn't recall her saying that, using that phrase, but he says if he wrote it down, someone had to have said it. Okay. Uh, And then, uh, interesting place to live. Uh, And in the context there, it's not in a negative or derogatory way, but simply recognizing that Logan and Cache Valley, it's different for some of these athletes may have come from. Um, you know, Cockett is uh, she goes on a couple different times saying that, um, regarding this inclusive thing, she tried to, she's been working to create um, more inclusiveness at the university, at the Aggie campus. She created a document, and one of the the things that it says there is, one of the most difficult things for incoming student-athletes from outside of Utah is to adjust to the cultural changes associated with living in a predominantly white, rural, conservative, and religious culture. So She put this together in a proposal. It was adopted in 2019. Uh, It's called Reaching Our Capacity, or the ROC program. Uh, It also says, uh, to help Aggies have the information and tools to optimize their opportunity at Utah State, the ROC program states that Cache Valley has a unique culture and can create unseen barriers. Former student-athlete John Trail Rockamore identified some of those barriers he faced coming to USU, such as difference in culture with religion and a lack of diversity, laws regarding substances, how to advocate for himself, how to balance his busy schedule mental health. Uh, President Cockett said um, she thought that the meeting was about talking to the players about their well-being. They had their coach dismissed in the middle of a season. It's been a weird COVID year. She thought they wanted to meet and talk about those kinds of things. The players wanted the meeting to all advocate for Frank Miley. One after another, they kept advocating for Frank Miley. And then she stops them and says, how are you doing? And they keep wanting to talk about Frank Miley. And then she basically is asking them, uh, you know do they feel if there's inclusiveness? And if if Coach Miley has this this plan, in essence, focusing in only on these three areas, would anybody feel excluded? Uh, she said that there were things that she had experienced that she wanted to talk about with the athletes. So she explained that during the Zoom meeting, she remarked that it could be a little different and a little tough to live here. Uh, Later on in the report, President Cockett said that she had lived in Utah for 30 years and that 30 years ago, Utah could be insular. Nowadays, President Cockett said that the Cache Valley community has limited diversity that creates issues for some. The report also added, according to President Cockett, some USU athletes must make adjustments to living in Cache Valley, where social norms regarding, for example, sexual activity and alcohol may require an adjustment.
1: Sorry, I'm going to let you go through the report, though. I, 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 I'm I, I'm listening, too, but I just wanted to make sure we there's, were able to go through the report. There's Sorry. a lot to digest here. I, yeah. I mean, I've, I've given you the, the basic summary, yeah. but I think it's important to hit some of these key highlights. No, that's, yeah, and that's why, I, yeah. About what, what was stated.
2: Absolutely. Um. She was interviewed again on uh, December 31st. Cockett denied that she said that the LDS Church is not inclusive. Quote, I would never say that about members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Instead, she said, I talked about Cache Valley not being inclusive. And further, she added, the demographics of the rural Cache Valley area are predominantly white and LDS. Nothing wrong with that demographic but that ratio meant that USU had to work hard to make others feel included in the community. Um, she said it would have been in the context of explaining the demographics of Cache Valley, which causes some students to struggle with feeling included and welcome. Uh, so, basically, Aj here, just, this really just a misunderstanding here of how the player's, they misunderstood what she was trying to do yeah, and understand their well-being. And when it was clear that they kept talking about Frank Miley to be their head coach, um, she just—well, the allegation in the report that she and Hartwell raised concerns about Coach Miley's religious and cultural background, President Cockett said, quote, that is not an accurate statement, close quote. Explaining that the athletes never asked her opinion about Coach Miley.
1: Um So <laughs> a couple of things. One, uh it's interesting that there was no concerns raised until after the new head coach was announced. That stuck out to me a little bit. Yes. Uh you know, that they everything was stood pretty quiet until they announced that Blake Garrison was the new head coach, and then all of a sudden here comes this uh this parade of anger and frustration. Um the other thing that kind of stands out to me here, Eric, is like there's there's a lot of open discussion here and and I'm gonna do so. I'm gonna give credit to Mr. Hartwell uh for saying, Hey, look, this is this is what was said. I mean, he's not going to go out there and lie and make up stories. That's it's not the time to do it. But I, li- I I appreciate him coming out and giving detailed answers. Well, didn't he have to?
2: Are you going to give the same credit yeah. to Noel Cockett? Mm, should we? Well, I, they're on the same call saying the, the same thing. I, I, the thing here, this, this call... I have concerns about Hartwell because this call was initiated because the athletes did not trust the athletic administration. Why?
1: That, that they, they felt they, they had to go directly
2: would, to the university president. Wait,
1: that they wouldn't trust the athletic administration because they wouldn't hire the guy that they want
2: hired? They had, they had concerns about issues that had already happened in the athletic department that they felt never got addressed. So they had lost the trust of the athletic department and wanted to talk to Cockett. Now... However, Cockett did say, Are you okay if John Hartwell participates in this call? And they said yes. Yeah. Again, I think, but I think it should be noted that, that they not the first
1: th- for they, this call. Well, I, think it, I think it comes down to the fact that they didn't get their, they don't get what they want in some cases, and so they get frustrated with it. I think there's a little, and, and I'm trying to be incredibly respectful to both sides here. Um, is there a communication issue? Maybe. I have no idea. But I think there's a little bit of pettiness here too, and I think it might come from Frank Miley's camp that he didn't feel like he got the 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 trusted interview or whatever that he was going to get right he didn't feel like the interview um you know was that he felt like there was an agenda in the interview maybe that was being put forth that oh we have to interview you because you're Frank Miley and you were an, you're an interim coach for us. That maybe it was just that we're going to go through the motions with you, but we're really looking for somebody else. And then maybe Frank Miley can't point that out to the players.
2: Well, that's I don't know. That's a lot of speculation there.
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah.
2: But I think it is clear that the players were a, they were trying to advocate for their guy. I think that's been made abundantly yeah. clear. Yeah. They were campaigning for Frank Miley to be their head coach. Um, and this would this. This was before or anybody knew what the candidates were, that that they were narrowing in on Blake Anderson. That hadn't been known yet. Their discussion with, with Hartwell and Cockett took place before all the uh, social media speculation that it was going to be uh, Blake Anderson. And then once that social media fervor started happening, that news coming out of Arkansas that he was going to quit his job there and come to Logan. That's when they started meeting together and then that morning they got together and said, you know, we're not going to go play our final game. I think this report does shed some light that it's this isn't a good look on some of those players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I still haven't had the players who came out and and I mean said exactly what they think was said. I mean, I mean. Unless the report comes out and says that. Like, I, I still want want a player to come out who was angry about the situation and say, hey, look, this is what happened. If you're going to go out there and throw Noel Cockett under the bus and you're going to throw there, you know, Mr. Hartwell under the bus, let's hear from you. What did you think was said? Tweet it out since you're so vocal on Twitter. Tweet it out. Tell us. Like, let everybody know what you think was said. What do you... What are you so scared about?
2: Uh, There were about 30 student-athletes who were interviewed. According to the report, 16 recalled specific references to Polynesian or poly or offered comments regarding Coach Miley's Polynesian heritage. Another five of the 16 recalled reference to or the use of the term Polynesian who were more equivocal. Um. 26 of the 30 student-athletes interviewed recalled references by President Cockett about either hiring a coach who was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Coach Miley's membership in the church. 15 of those student-athletes recalled and expressed or implied concern about how Coach Miley's religious affiliation would impact recruiting. But the, the report goes through and says it, it appears that their recollection of the interview, the, uh, the December 8th interview, they all seem pretty calm about how things happened yeah. that day and what took place. But then in the days afterwards, learning about another coach via social media, they didn't get told uh, until after the fact Uh, They hear about it on social media. They're upset. It didn't go the way they were hoping. They get together. They talk about what took place in that call and then the other concerns they had that uh, they felt didn't get addressed properly on campus and they get upset over those things. But this report also says, look, they made it clear and have made it clear many different times in different ways that if you have a concern, you can anonymously report something at USU. There is a method and they went back through and there have nobody's reported anything they went back through the records nobody reported anything so if they had these concerns they weren't they weren't addressing them they weren't raising them like they should like yeah. the university has provided a path for them to do so
1: yeah i'm with you yeah i'm with you um <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I, 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 I mean, kind of hesitant that I wanted to say this because I, I, I mean, but now that we're, now the investigation's over um, and Frank Miley's moved on to Boise State and as the head associate coach and defensive line coach there. I saw that presentation, by the way, the, the, the pillar presentation, the slideshow. Uh, I was, I was there with somebody else and we were getting ready to do a pregame interview and uh, he, you know, he, he, uh, he, he. Said a few things that I'll keep quiet. But then he, he said, check this out. He says, I want to show you my my my, uh, my plan. We said, all right. And and he pulled up on his laptop and uh, he pulled up the three pillars. Just like you said, there's a pillar of Polynesian. There's a pillar for in-state. There's a pillar, uh, pillar for RMs. And, that, and then it says each of those things on those pillars. And then they pulled the next slide it's a picture of Miley as a Polynesian, picture of Miley as an in state, and picture of Miley as a uh, RM. And then uh, he, he, he says look, there's a blueprint to recruit and be successful at Utah State. And he showed us, you know, these coaches who have been successful at Utah State, and Gary Anderson was one of them in his first stint. And he said it's because he followed that blueprint. The RMs in state kids and Polynesians. Matt Wells. Did a great job of following that blueprint, and they have,
2: they've outright said that. Yeah, they've made it clear that yeah. those are the those are key foundational aspects of Utah State recruiting success. And
1: then he and then he told us, he said, "Look, if you go out and find somebody else outside of this this realm, uh, it will be tough to bring in those kind of kids." And I didn't necessarily find that. To, I didn't think that'd be entirely true. Look, if Coach Anderson can go into an RM's home and say, "Hey, look," Um, I know faith is a big thing here in the state of Utah. And look, I mean, because Coach Anderson is faith. He he mentioned God how many times in his... Uh, Blake Anderson? Yeah, excuse me, Coach. Yeah, sorry. I should say Blake. I don't know if I say Coach or Blake Anderson. Uh, but he mentioned, you know, yeah, that he believes in faith and that religion aspect in his thing. Um, but then to go into an arms home and say, hey, look, and tell the mom, look, I also have a belief in God. I, you know, I, he's, you know, blessed my life for whatever he does to help, under, help that mom understand that we may not be of the same faith, but we definitely have the same belief in somebody and and that might be a good start. Um I you know and with the connection with Polynesian kids, look, if you can find a way to help the kid understand that I want the best for you and I'm going to get you the very best, come play for me. Doesn't you you can be black, white, Polynesian, whatever. Um and then in state, I think coach is going to get a good is going to get a good idea of what in-state kids are here and what it means to the Valley. I honestly think he already has. He's got an idea. And so I'm not trying to bag on Miley to say that, you know, he was just tooting his own horn, but I just think that we didn't give, I mean, we aren't giving enough credit or he didn't give enough credit maybe to another coach, uh, maybe such as Blake Anderson, that he could do the job that Miley could do in that regard.
2: Well, here's uh, I thought this was interesting out of the report when their conversation with John Hartwell. Um, uh, Hartwell noted that there had been some eyes raised in quotations when Noel Cockett made the comment about Utah or Cache Valley being an interesting place to live. He believes that that was a way to solicit information from the players about their experiences living in Logan. But he didn't sense any ill will in 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 their response to her comments or to her remark. Also, it talks about how um, he let Coach Miley know who the new head coach would be. He didn't tell the other candidates who the head coach would be. He just told them, "Look, uh, we're we're, you're unsuccessful. We're in this pursuit. We're going in a different direction." But he did tell Coach Miley. This is from the report. He spoke with Coach Miley that day. This is December tenth. Um. He spoke with Coach Miley that day and, unlike with other candidates, told him who the successful candidate was. Hartwell felt Coach Miley responded unprofessionally, stating, quote, what has he done, close quote. Coach Miley was upset, which Hartwell acknowledged, but he urged Coach Miley to consider staying on and telling him he believed Coach Anderson wanted to talk to him about a coaching position. Friday morning, when the players have their boycott and he learns about it, Hartwell reaches out to Coach Miley and they put in here after some difficulty, which I don't know they needed to add that, but whatever, uh, and asked Coach Miley if he could get the players to reconsider. Coach Miley told Hartwell he could not stop them and that he, quote, was at peace with what they have done, close quote.
1: Wow. Oh, man, that's heavy. Oh, boy. Last
2: thing about Hartwell and his comments, uh, this very con- end at the conclusion of, of his section, Hartwell recalled discussion by participants in the meeting about Coach Miley being a true-blooded Aggie or terms to that effect, but did not recall a statement about such hires not working out. Because if you recall, part of the statement that the players made was um, they, they hired somebody from Utah and LDS before, and it didn't work out. So Hartwell's like, no, we didn't We didn't talk about that. We didn't say that. Noelle Cockett, she doesn't recall saying that either. Because I don't know who that would be, and I don't know who they would say that would have been. But
1: the, So can I
2: – There's some things here that don't look good for the
1: players. Yeah, and for- – Some comments that Cockett made that could be eh. – I think both sides are probably – can I say both sides are at fault? Yeah, I, I think I there's mean, problems if, on if, both sides. Yeah. In, in. But again, here's the biggest issue, Eric. Why didn't anybody record the doggone Zoom call? <laughs> please hit the record button. If you're going to have an important phone call like this, one of the players, if it's you who has scheduled the meeting, if it's you, please just hit record. That's all you need to do. And then what, actually before you hit record, inform Mr. Hartwell and President Cockett, hey, we will be recording this phone call. Do you agree to do so? And of course, they're going to say yes. We're not going to have an issue with that. Push record. And then guess what? We have evidence of everything that's gone on. If we have that recorded phone call, then guess what? This whole thing is solved in a much quicker manner. And there's proof and evidence of what happened. And we don't have to go to Mr. Harlow and say, Hey, what? Uh, let's, let's go back and retrace your comments. What did you say about this? What, what did you mean by that? Or, or President Cockett or to the players... It's all there. If we just have the doggone recorded uh, phone call, this is solved. I mean, it's just, and it's solved with efficiency and absolute evidence. I, I really like how
2: this report has what it calls a, a section called the reconciliation of facts. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it has their conclusion. Um, basically, it states that there was a December 8th meeting between the players, Hartwell and Conkett. And then after that, the players met on a couple of different occasions on their own. And it says, while the athletes generally seem to be genuine and truthful in their meetings with investigators, it appears that the post-Zoom discussions may have had some impact on the athletes' perception of the meetings, as evidenced by some remarkable consistencies. While many of the athletes expressed confidence in their recollection of the meeting, the effect of these post-meeting discussions raises questions about those recollections. Hmm. Yeah, and then basically their conclusion is that it just seems to be a misunderstanding here. And I think it just comes down to Noel Cockett was coming to the meeting thinking, I want to see how you guys are doing. Thanks for coming to me, and I know there's been some hard times trying to figure out. You lost your coach. It's, been, it's a COVID year. You've had games postponed or canceled. I know that affects your your well-being, so I want to know how you're doing. I'm concerned about your well-being. And the students, the student-athletes are, look, we're this is a campaign to keep Frank Miley. Yeah, and I think then when news starts to break on social media, that really upsets them and they get together and say, OK, you remember some things that she said? Yeah, maybe that kind of raised my eyebrow. Maybe that wasn't really appropriate what she said. And it, it turns into that reaction.
1: Um, yeah, but here and I tweeted this out earlier this afternoon, Eric. Can we close the book on it now? Can we move on to the 2021 football season? Here's Coach Blake Garrison, who, by the way, was at the Spectrum and revved that crowd up about the football season. Reminded him that it's still basketball season. We got a game to win. We got a championship to win here with Coach Craig Smith and the squad. But, boy, he is ready for football season. And I, lo- I, loved, his, I loved his speech. Um, but here he is. He's got his staff together. They're recruiting like crazy. They're out there. Bringing kids from Miami, from Kansas, from Texas. Uh, they're bringing back a kid who is an all-Mountain West linebacker. He's coming to Utah State, formerly of Fresno and Arkansas State. Um, the results are in. The investigation is over. I am ready to close the book on this chapter and to uh, end this book and get ready for a new era, a new book, a new season um, full of hope and excitement and um curiosity and wonder of what uh what this team can accomplish uh in the 2021 season and and in the future and the years to come as Blake Anderson uh is uh, the head coach and uh will be guiding this squad on the sideline with a great staff too really really good staff and I hope we can uh give them the attention and the support that they deserve right now yeah, I know it's I, a, I know it's a cop out but like I'm just I I read this and I've seen it all over Twitter and I'm like I just want to get ready for football. Like I, I mean, look, we dealt with a coach quitting, a quarterback being kicked off, um, COVID issues, and then a team just quitting on a game and forfeiting it at the end of the season. I, I want to talk football. I want to talk on the field football. <laughs> <laughs> I do too.
2: I do too. But I think that you have to be careful not to just gloss over this. No, and, and I feel no, there have at been all. a few too many people saying, uh, you know, it's this is Blake Anderson's day and. You know, he's being uh, announced as a new head coach, and I get that. Then, well, let's talk about the the, uh, the coaching staff as they're coming together. Yes, that's true. We, we, let's talk about that. But these, are, these were very serious allegations, and they needed to be talked about and, and dealt with. And the investigation has been concluded here, and I'm glad that it's not dragging out any longer than it has been. But at the end of the day here, The student-athletes were advocating for Frank Miley, and Noel Cockett is just thinking about their well-being. And so there's a line here from their conclusion that I think really sums this up. During the Zoom meeting, President Cockett described Logan and Cache Valley as unique communities that can sometimes seem to not be inclusive to outsiders. Because the athletes were focused on expressing their support for Coach Miley, we conclude that it is likely they understandably interpreted President Cockett's comments as a criticism of or commentary on coach Miley which triggered a number of athletes to defend him defend coach Miley as being inclusive and supportive of athletes regardless of their religious background she acknowledged she did have a concern that he may not have been inclusive enough in his three pillars and that may have kind of bled through some of those conversations but it wasn't an indictment on Frank Miley as a person about his cultural background or his religion. So uh, the university has said, look, they're going to continue to work on inclusivity. Uh, They have made some um, progress in these areas, trying to improve diversity and inclusiveness on campus and providing tools and opportunities for people to um, report any instances where they don't? Um, so, uh, bottom line here, though, it looks like Noah Cockett still has a job. John Hartwell still has a job. Frank Miley now has a new job. And the new head coach is Blake Anderson. He's putting together a team. Now, which players stay as a result of, of this? these findings if it didn't go as they had they thought it should, they may choose to leave. They may also choose to stick around because Blake Anderson and his coaching staff are going to talk to him about their opportunity to stay here. So, the report is out. You can read more about it on CashValleyDaily.com. We don't need to spend any more time on it. But it, it, it needs to be discussed. It needs to be brought up. It needed to be covered. Now it's out. You can read it for yourself. Come to your own conclusions. Um, But for me, again, this is just me. Bottom line here, I think this just was a misinterpretation of some things that were said. And they were so focused, the student-athletes were so focused on trying to advocate for Frank Miley. President Cockett's not involved in those discussions. She only meets with the final candidate. She doesn't she's not part of the vetting process. Yeah. So it was out of norm for her to meet with Frank Miley earlier and then to have the the players have a a player meeting to to advocate for him. So it's a little abnormal for that to happen. So that's why she's not she didn't have that frame of mind. So we'll see now the reports out there now we're just going kind to of left to see how, uh, how the players react to it over these next couple of days. Uh, if you want to weigh in on it, now that it's out, now that we've discussed it, we'd love to get your feedback. Um, otherwise, we're going to move on. Utah State takes on San Diego State tomorrow. What are their adjustments? Utah State football announcing and pretty much filling out the final pieces of their coaching staff, who was announced today a big NFL weekend, and Region Eleven basketball getting started today. So still a lot of topics to get through here on the Full Court Press. Love to get your feedback as well. 435-339-0321 here on the Full
0: Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
2: Eric Franson, Aj Salveston here on the Full Court Press. Love to have you weigh in as well. Always love to have our listeners participate. 435-339-0321 or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Court is dismissed, kids. Time for recess. (laughs) You can read more about the findings of the investigations on Uh, Look, I thought... Granted, I wasn't involved in any of these discussions, but it looked like they did a pretty fair job, the way they handled it, and uh, everybody that was involved with it. Now, how the players react to it, I think that's still the last unknown. Um, but well, that's just wait and see. But what uh, what this coaching staff is going to look like? There aren't many unknowns anymore. Uh, the offensive coordinator officially named, offensive line coach. And strength and conditioning coach. I think
1: those are the last ones, if I'm not mistaken. We got one more. <laughs> it's our cornerbacks coach. Okay, I stand corrected. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that should come through Monday. So
2: strength and conditioning coach. We heard uh, Coach Blake Anderson super excited about this guy. Yeah. Say you know this is this is somebody who spends more time with players that. Just about anybody.
1: Yeah. Really? He's the head coach in the off season of the team. Um, at, which is a like extension of the head coach during the off season, I should say. Paul Jackson out of South Carolina, uh, is gonna be a great fit. Ton of energy, uh, a lot of excitement from him. Uh wants to be here. Uh I mean, coming from South I mean, and his resume is pretty solid, Eric. Yeah, before us being
2: in South Carolina, he spent eight years at Ole Miss. <laughs> uh, this guy's been in some power programs. Yeah. Back-to-back New Year Six Bulls. Uh, he's been a part of some teams that have had a lot of success. Um, before he was at uh, Ole Miss, he was at Southern Miss, um, so where he oversaw the overall athletics department. Um, but uh, part of a team that com- uh, captured a Conference USA championship. So guy has been around some pretty successful programs, Ajay.
1: Yeah, and, and that helps, by the way, because like being under guys like Hugh Freeze, and Will Muschamp will get you ready for Utah State. And, and from what I've been uh, reading or who I've talked to, it's it's an opportunity uh, for this guy to be able to build. Uh, he he's really good at building relationship with kids, and that's what these kids need right now is someone to build a relationship with. You know, with the coaching staff, and uh, that uh, Paul Jackson can do just that. And he was great with that in South Carolina. And in uh, in Ole Miss, which were much bigger ego's life, I may say that politely. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, I said that politely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Freeze, are you kidding me? Like, he's massive ego. Wait, how do you keep saying his name? Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze? Yeah. No, it's Hugh Freeze.
2: It's Hugh. It's Hugh. H-U-G-H. Yes, the G is silent.
1: Hugh, Hugh Freeze. <laughs> it's Hugh Freeze, man. Dude, it's Hugh. Hugh. It's like Hugh. Okay, so like you say huge, you don't say hue free or wow, that looks hue. You don't say that, you say it's huge. She's not silent. <laughs> okay, so he's not, he- How do you spell Huey? It's in like H, like if his name was Hue, they'd be like, oh, it's H E W. Okay, <laughs> don't. moving on. Don't make don't me Mo- look like I'm the moving enemy. Moving on.
2: Here. <laughs> Anthony Tucker, officially named the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach. Uh, This has been rumored for some time. We've we've referenced it quite a bit, especially (laughs) in bowl season, watching Central Florida. But he comes to the Aggies to be the OC here. um, And uh, Tucker uh, had a comment, says, "Uh, Coach Anderson has put together a staff of quality people with great energy and football acumen. I'm extremely excited to be a part of this next great chapter of Utah State Aggie football. I, uh, I like this guy. This is a, guy. another guy. Pow- he, while he was most recently at UCF, he has a lot of Power 5 experience. Hey, did
1: he run? Because Coach Anderson was talking about, hey, we're going to be a run and gun offense yesterday. He said in front of the crowd, hey, you think this, you know, you, you like the point score in this one? I mean, think about how fast we're going to put up points in the season. Is Anthony Tucker, did he do that at Central Florida, or is this going to be new to him? UCF
2: had the uh, – now I can't think of exactly what it was, but they were one of the most – sorry, what's the right way to say it? They, they were the team that had the, the most plays per game. Oh, yeah. So they, they ran with pace. They were quick. They wanted to move the ball up and down so the field. So nothing new. Okay, yeah. cool. So he was a co-offensive coordinator – and running backs coach, he was a passing game quarter and running backs coach, uh, coach running backs before that. Before he went, he was at UCF. He was at Maryland for a couple of seasons. Uh, he spent time as a graduate assistant at Arkansas State. Um, he was an offensive technical assistant at Colorado, and actually, he spent some time at Idaho State, just up the road in Pocatello, as a wide receivers coach. So young seems to have good energy. Has been a part of some. Uh, Programs that like to move the ball. Uh, This is what Coach Anderson had to say about him. Anthony obviously did an outstanding job at UCF and was an important part of their success the last three seasons. His offensive style is cutting edge and dynamic, and his West Coast background is critical for our recruiting moving forward. Anthony's energy and offensive knowledge will be a great asset for the rest of our staff.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, again, like for how fast they want to go, Again, you need an efficient offense, you need a good quarterback who's going to make good decisions and not put you in three and outs every possession in 45 seconds because that doesn't help. It's going to have to be a really efficient offense to run something like that. I hope they have it. Right. You have to have the right personnel to, be, yeah, to do absolutely. it right. Otherwise, and they a, had that two years it's a ago. a fast three and out. Yeah, they had that two years ago. Three years ago.
2: Sorry. Eighteen. Uh, and then the last hire announced today, Micah James, as the offensive line coach at Utah State. Spent his last few years as the co-offensive line coach at Massachusetts. Uh, and he comes to USU. Uh, he spent time at UCF as an offensive graduate assistant. He spent time at Maryland as an offensive grad assistant. So uh, he's got familiarity with some of those, those coaches. And he spent time at Arkansas State in 2014 and 15.
1: Yeah, this will be an interesting hire. I mean, it's – I guess the Arkansas State relationship might help. But for, I mean, him go to UMass, I think it's a its a no-brainer to come to Utah State, right? No-brainer. From there, yes. Yeah, absolutely. You take that in a heartbeat. Why would – and I ask this respectfully, I, I swear. What do you think drew Anthony Tucker from Central Florida to Utah State, though, Eric? Well, I think – What's here? I think he knows –
2: Coach Anderson, to so be an opportunity to coach with somebody that you know, you know. and you like and respect. Um, I don't know if that is an indictment against his other coaching staff.
1: Because um, I know the Josh Heupel situation was running pretty thin with a lot of people over there, including players. Yeah. that's
2: In his one season here at Utah State, I got to talk to him numerous times, be in his office. Yeah. So he's a, He can be a different guy.
1: Yeah. He's but had
2: success at different places. Sure.
1: But sometimes you make a move just because you want to work with people that you like. Yeah. And and I think Anthony Tucker will love it here. I really do. Under Blake Anderson, who seems like, I mean, what did he say? He got, like, how many messages and text-wise that, like, you know, from people of, and, and a lot of people of interest that wanted to come here to Utah State, uh, obviously it's a great guy to be uh to, to coach with and he has a great understanding of a family of uh of making sure i love what he said to us in our show one time Eric. I, if i remember he said uh i want to make sure that these coaches um you know they that they say hey i love coaching with him i love being with coach anderson that that's pretty cool yeah and
2: this staff as you said there's maybe one more left but uh it is a very diverse staff
1: oh it is absolutely so uh, that's great. That's good. Good. Let's do it. Uh, I, it <laughs>
2: I don't know that that necessarily disqualifies anybody or enhances anybody, but it, no, just look, it, it. it is what it is. Coach, it is a diverse step. But it looks a- like these are people from really good backgrounds, so yeah, I'm that, excited to see what they bring the to the thing. table.
1: We want, he's going to, he was going to be very, um, what what I can't remember the word he used. But he was going to be very picky in who he brought here to Utah State. He didn't just want to bring the first guy that reached out to him through text message or called him. He wanted to bring a very select staff to accomplish the goals, and the number one being win a Mountain West Conference championship, but to do it in a certain way.
2: And also with their, inf- their- also keeping in mind, where have they been good recruiting? Like, what areas of the country have they been really good? So as he's putting together, like, philosophically, do they match? Do I know them personally? Are our personalities going to match? But where do they recruit? And so you, you put it all together and figure it out on a map. This guy really knows Texas. This guy's really good at the West Coast. This guy knows Florida really well. And you come together, and it's like, look, you've got all of those things connected now. The recruiting areas are, are covered. The, the experience, the personality, the philosophy, it's connecting.
1: So I'm really excited about this coaching staff. No, I'm thrilled. Really excited. And the, the recruiting job that they're doing right now is off the charts. Can't wait to hear what the official results look like in February. It's, it's exciting. Uh, Eric, do you...
2: But, uh, go with, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, one please. other thing, too, just yeah. with this coaching staff... We knew Chucky e. Keaton was going to be a part of it. Yeah. That's exciting for yeah. a lot of fans. But I also like DJ Tialavea and Alapuwa. Al yes, yeah, young, uh, maybe not as experienced, but why do you like them? ask? They also check off some of those things that I think are really important in a coaching staff at Utah State. They're from Utah. They understand the Utah culture. That's the Polynesian connection. It's yeah. still there. It's very important. So again, it's part of that inclusive, touching on a lot of different areas where backgrounds and. and uh, areas that they're from, to help build the right kind of program that's going to fit and work in Logan, Utah.
1: And when they, the message came out on social media that uh, Al was going to be back here coaching at Utah State, did you see the amount of support he got from in-state people? Like That's exactly where I was going with this, is that the in-state support that he got was incredible. Not just Logan, but all over the place in, in Utah, which says everything you need to know about Al. And DJ is very, very, very well liked by the players and the staff um, here at Utah State. It was a no-brainer to bring those two back. I- I'm absolutely with you on that. Good point. Yeah. So, oh, so excited, Eric. It's a
2: it's a good coaching staff. Uh, we still are yet to see you fully how they're doing in recruiting. We're getting some good feedback with uh, some of these transfers. Oh, are yeah. Announcing that they're coming to Utah State. Um. But there's still
1: there's still a lot of work to be done here. Yeah, sure. And, and, and I think he's still trying to figure out how many scholarships do I have. Yeah, and I and I think that was expected. Is there anybody because they can come back for an extra year this year, right? If they're allowed, or if they if the university grants the oh opportunity. grants the opportunity, See, that's got to be tough too. Like, how do you know who to bring back and maybe say, hey, we're going to move on. That's got to be tough for a new coach to come in and have to take care of that situation.
2: Not not an easy thing to do. No.
1: All right, we're going to call another timeout here on the Full Court Press. Oh, we need scores and predictions from everybody too. Yes, when we come
2: back, scores and predictions for tomorrow and then Region 11, we'll let you know who's playing where. It's all coming up next here on the Full Court Press.
0: The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What are your score
2: predictions for tomorrow's game between the Aggies and the Aztecs? It tips off at 1130 on
1: CBS Network, the main network. Yes, Channel 2. Clark Kellogg will be there in person. He's going to chat down with some Aggie ice cream at halftime and then promote Aggie ice cream to the rest <laughs> of the country. It's, uh, it's a good thing.
2: 9315, uh, text in my score prediction for tomorrow, USU 68, San Diego State
1: 60. Okay, I'm gonna say thirty-seven, thirty-two Aggies. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of exaggerating, but not really. I don't know, you know where to start. Uh, I'm gonna say fifty-eight, fifty-two, Eric. I think it'll still be a lower scoring. Me game. Me too. I think they're gonna beat the crap out of each other again. Like they're happy to do it again. I think I don't know if it'll be as
2: low, but I think it'll be. I think it will like sixty to fifty-five.
1: Okay. I'm going know. Utah State with the win. Yeah, me too. Uh, again, hope that Matt Mitchell's playing tomorrow. We'll find out what you don't know. In fact, he's a game time decision. Uh, I texted a couple people, and they will say, and they just told me not talking about it. Okay. Uh, HIPAA, I guess. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see uh, if well, and he if goes if Seiko tomorrow. is available yeah, too. Yeah, if Seiko goes too.
2: It's just a tooth, this man. Morning.
1: You're fine. Uh, Region 11 basketball
2: tonight. Skyview is going to be here on the fan They're <laughs> at Bear River. Region play is already here. Uh, that's going to be a really good game. Yeah, matchup. that's going to be a great one. Uh, Green Canyon is host, is excuse me, at Ridgeline.
1: That's the game of the night for me.
2: Yes, I agree. That's on 100.9 FM and 104.5 The Ranch. Dave Simmons and Nick Zollinger will be on that call. That'll be entertaining. Uh, and then Mountain Crest <laughs> is uh, at Logan. Uh, that'll be on KVNU. Al Lewis will be on that call, and it'll also be on 107.7 FM. So a lot of different places and opportunities to. Catch these regional 11 basketball teams. Yep, absolutely. Uh, a couple more uh, predictions have come in 2787, oh, 67 to 64. Ooh. For Utah State, 6891, 73 to 69. See, that's a little bit higher than we've Utah been getting. State.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, they, 73, and look, without Matt Mitchell, I don't know how much the Aztecs were able to produce, but I think maybe without Matt Mitchell, the he's might score more. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't even know if it's possible.
2: Maybe they've had their best defensive game together, and now they open it up offensively more in the second game. I don't know. But I you and got agree that.
1: that we feel like this could be a game where, look, no Mitchell, they just lost game one. They're going to come out swinging heavily. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Brace for it.
2: Watch for the unsung hero in this one, the guy you wouldn't expect to have a big game. That worries, that's, a, that's
1: a worry for me coming into who's it. Gotta, who's got to stand out for you for the Aggies?
2: Uh, Marco Anthony.
1: Again, yeah. Defensively well,
2: but offensively, his first bucket was 4.45 to go in the game. Yeah, didn't
1: he airball his first three?
2: Yeah. But he'll be okay.
1: He'll be all right. Brock Miller's going to have to be Brock Miller again, offensively and defensively. They're going to have to get. I love what you said earlier today. Contributions from everybody in this series. Everybody's got to come in and contribute. Everybody's to be on point. Yep, absolutely. Last night,
2: they pretty much all were, and we saw the result.
1: And adjustment wise, we're going to find out how good. Smith and Dutcher are with adjustments. You know what's coming tomorrow morning. Can't wait, Eric.
2: If I were to tell you that Bean and Anthony combined for only six points. Last night? Last night. You would have told me we would have lost in a, in a route.
1: Wait, they only got six points? Six points combined. We're Justin gonna... Bean
2: only had four, and then Marco got his first bucket with 4.45 to go.
1: Don't tell Gordon Bean that.
2: <laughs> Didn't matter, though, because they other things they did on the court, were incredible huge incredible huge Yep, absolutely they're great great game last night we'll see how it goes tomorrow pre-game on kvnu starts at 10 30 in the morning tip off at 11 30 on cbs and then as soon as it's over be back on kvnu again Just get the recaps
1: good night everybody